0: Bandwidth for This Week in Photography is brought to you by CashFly at
1: dot com. This Week in Photography is sponsored by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip for a free downloadable book.
0: This week on the show, Nikon releases the D700. What straps should you use for your camera? And another show of question and answers right here on This Week in Photography, number 37.
1: Welcome to the number one photography related show on iTunes. It's This Week in Photography. Hi, I'm your host, Scott Bourne, and we're live from Pixel Core in downtown San Francisco, right across the street from the Apple Store, in fact. And uh, sitting here with me is my ever present co host, the man who's really responsible for the Pixel Core and many other things, Alex Lindsay. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's a wonderful way to start the game. (laughs) What to uh, say?
0: What to say? I don't know. I don't know.
1: Also in studio from Adobe, we have uh, a very qualified attendee on the show today, Mr. Frederick Johnson. Hello. And uh, joining us via Skype and the magic that is the internets, we have Steve Simon from New York City.
2: Hey, guys. Actually, I'm in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. What are you doing uh, there? well, I'm actually visiting my mom, and I was up in the Northwest Territories for Canada Day. Happy July 4th, uh, by the way. Yeah. And uh, um, while well, I was up in Northwest Territories, of course, I ran into two twippers. And-
1: no way. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um.
2: I was in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. And uh, a shout-out to John Burridge and Jesse Gabel, two, two photographers and, and loyal uh, twip listeners. I, Is I John heard- Burridge out of Minneapolis? John John Burridge?
1: Oh, okay. Somebody different. I hear one. we're big in Yellowknife.
2: Huge, yeah, huge, huge, huge. I had knife. to, you know, it, it, the sun never sets there this and time. And you're, of you're year, in Edmonton.
1: So. They, they've got internet there, huh? <laughs> oh, Scott. <laughs> Ooh, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> does, does, does oh, does Scott. Does that mean, does that mean they, have, like, do they have like
0: the magic hour for like eight hours straight?
2: Pretty much. Pretty much. Awesome. I mean, this is a great time to Let shoot. Let me tell you,
1: Edmonton is a cool place. I've been up there to do the rodeo. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I photographed the rodeo.
2: We've yeah. got the world's largest mall. We used to have, you know, Wayne Gretzky. There's all kinds <laughs>
1: of oh, I'm booking my tickets right now. That's it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I, I misnomered you being from New York. You are, you live in New York, but you're not presently there. Absolutely. A- and the author of The Art and Science of Digital Compositing, the latest edition. It is the Bible of the industry. He's also a photographer, and usually he's from Hermosa Beach. I don't want to assume anything today, but uh, here's Ron Brinkman. I am in Hermosa Beach today, Yep. We got a copy of your book, uh, Ron. It is officially larger than the phone book in more than seven hundred <laughs> cities of the United States. I'm surprised at how how weighty it is, and that's a, and that's
0: the paperback. The paperback, you, so the paperback is like twice as yeah, heavy did, as the hard was, was the last time.
1: Geez. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, car- yeah. we're gonna carry this around downtown's mean streets, and if we need some sort of weapon, we're gonna use it.
3: Uh, Ron, Ron, is there a hardcover version of this book as well?
4: No, uh, we just did paper. The first edition was hardcover, and uh, this the size of this one. Just to keep the cost a little bit reasonable, we went ahead and did the, you know, it's a high quality paperback. So you you completely rewrote this, didn't you? Yeah, pretty much. I hadn't planned on that, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I started going through it, I was like, this is, this is not like an update. This is just a whole other uh, book. It's like, see, I thought I was just going to do an update. For, the, for those that aren't familiar with the first edition, it was about nine years ago that I published it, and I was like, you know, it, it's still more or less pertinent. I'll just do a quick little update, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to change <laughs> it. Well, I should change that. Oh, I should really touch on that. Well, I should... Yeah. If and, I read through uh, this
3: book, Ron, uh, cover to cover and understand everything I read, will I be as smart as you in the art and science absolutely. of digital
4: compositing? You, you can read the first sentence as far as me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you had, you had a ghostwriter, okay. Stole my line.
1: No, actually, what would happen if you read the entire book, you'd you'd be locked up in some asylum someplace, because only very smart people are allowed to do that. Yeah. It would hurt most normal beings to read this. But I will try to read it. I appreciate it, Ron. Um, I mean, the, the other
4: interesting thing that it actually is sort of photography related is, you know, when I did the first edition of the book, there was uh, – uh, limited number of color inserts in it because it was so expensive to do that and these days you know the cost has gotten reasonable to do full color high quality you know throughout a book like this so there's just crap loads of photos that are it's gorgeous loads. book it it's, it's it's really nice really, really looks nice well, let's move and on. i do think it's you know it's, it's uh it's related to general image processing stuff so i'm going to try and put some excerpts of that up that will be more you know not just visual effects people yeah. would be interested and
1: we'll link to it uh, on our show notes i'm sure it's available on Amazon. Um, Yes, it is. Let's uh, move on to one very important thing I want to say before we get going. Uh, Many of you may not know this if you're new to the show, but we're doing something pretty insane here. We're giving away a freaking Drobo. It's a freaking Drobo here, people. You can be drobo You can feel Droovy. And feel Droovy. If you simply link to us from your blog or your website, and you are a resident of the United States, that makes you eligible. Dude. We'll check our referral logs at the end of the quarter. We'll randomly Dude. select one, and you'll get a Drobo if you're the one we select. Dude, I do not. so droopy, man. I don't <laughs> like the way Alex is holding that mic when he yeah. uses that voice. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It, those of He's us like, who are using the Drobo have had good experience with it, so that's why we want to give one away. We think you'll enjoy it. So remember, you can link to us. Let's get to the photography news. Nikon makes the D700 a reality, and here so we go. So it wasn't just a rumor. We it were was talking. Not, it, was we rumor it was a rumor last week. It was a rumor like for the last nine it months. It is now a reality. It's <laughs> a reality. <laughs> it wasn't really the best-kept secret in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But uh, 12.1 megapixel full-frame sensor. Um, it does have the image sensor cleaning using special vibration. ISO 200 to 6400 uh, is the standard ISO. But you can go ahead and boost that up you to can, the 25, You, you can mm-hmm. boost that um, and go down to 100 as well. Supports the DX lenses... It is a uh, viewfinder that automatically masks that, and it has the 14-bit AD conversion. What it doesn't have is it doesn't have the second card slot. It doesn't have... Slower FPS. It has slower frames per second. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have as fast a buffer or as Mm -hmm. big a buffer. It also does not have the 100% viewfinder. And Alex, you you and guys, are,
2: are, you're such a, a glass is half-empty. No, 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 out there? I'm buying just one. I'm getting one. I'm but, buying yeah. one. Okay, think, okay. I'm just uh, wait, 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 Jump the gun. No, no, Alex wait, is wait, buying just,
1: one. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting. On. We'll see. We'll, we'll get to that news in a minute. Um, it, it's what, what I've heard. Some people mistakenly say that it's a D3 replacement, Steve. So that's why I wanted to enumerate uh that it is not. It is a great. Companion, I think, to the D three, uh, and it cool is way.
4: exactly the D three sensor, though, right? It, yeah, and here's where it, it is exactly.
1: It's the same processor and the same sensor, so the images you're going to get are going to be exactly the same as the D three. It's just a guys, look- like
2: I was, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, Nikon has been drinking a lot of coffee because I don't think anyone expected this. They're they're highly caffeinated. Everyone's <laughs> expecting a 5D replacement to be coming out well before this. Nikon has been just kind of jumping in front of Canon in, in every respect these last little while. Well, so they needed it's,
4: to. It's, I mean, there was definitely a period of time there where it, didn't, it wasn't looking so good for Nikon, and I'm really happy to see him bouncing back. I mean, you know, no matter what we shoot, uh, competition is great, and uh, I think it's, it's awesome that they're duking it out because it 's just pushing
1: everything forward. Well before I had Canon seventeen years ago, I, my last camera was a, a Nikon f1 and, wow. and um, would you say seventeen years ago? yeah, wow yeah um, and so I switched from Nikon to Canon because Canon was you know, faster on the autofocus they were they were doing a lot of innovative things they had is before Nikon had VR. They really were innovating but you know, as a long time canon fan and shooter, I have to say, I just felt like I got tired of waiting and I got my chance to use um some nikon gear uh, a couple well about a week or so ago. And um, so you mean really use it? Not I just mean really, hold it. not yeah. just hold it, but like use it all day. Yeah, I want. Well, shooting. Scott,
2: do 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 I get anything for sort of you know using a Nikon FM thirty years ago and sticking with Nikon
1: through thick get and a, thin? You get a gold star. You get respect. A loyalty,
2: <laughs> a loyalty card, and you anything?
1: get Nikon sincere, great, gracious thanks, <laughs> um, and some good pictures. So the, anyway, yeah. as as everybody knows, that's paying attention to our show. I switched recently, which created a a hell of firestorm. Um I have some interesting observations here. Number one, um when I when I shot Canon, I, I took some heat from the Nikon guys on the forums. They would always get mad if I mentioned the Canon. Now those same Nikons, and Arthur, you know who we're talking about. Uh, now they love me, and now the Canon guys hate me. This isn't a religion, folks. These are just tools. Think of me as a carpenter. This is my hammer. Mm-hmm. It's I don't have anything emotionally invested. The reason I switch is I think in my particular case, and I'm not saying this is going to impact anybody else, but the kind of shooting I do, this is the dream combo. I did get the 1DS Mark III. I think it's a tremendous camera, but the 21.1 megapixel sensor delivering 5 frames a second for the kind of work I do and most of you know that I do a lot of wildlife shooting it's it really wasn't the best combination and Canon doesn't have anything that competes with the 2 to 400 f4 vr that's a dream lens on a dream body that gives you the chance of 4 to 800 as well as two to four hundred, Fred. What do you think?
3: No, no, I think you're absolutely right, and and we go back and forth as we have on the show a lot. About, Most of it's joking. Yeah, it's all it's all in good fun. I mean, you know, the truth be told, these camera bodies and lenses have come so far in the last you know just couple of years, even that you know they're they're at the level now where it's just personal preference. You know, I I prefer you know I've sh- I shot Nikon in the Air Force for eight years, and then I went to Canon when I went digital, and now I'm back to Nikon with the D three, and that's mainly because of the feel of the camera i mean yeah all the bells and whistles and all that are nice and the in the glass but the the feel of the camera for me personally you know a camera is a very personal yeah. piece of you when you're shooting when you call yourself a photographer and you're out there and you, you're holding this thing you need to know where every little knob dial yep. in a split second it's how your brain is wired and nikon just happens to be wired to my brain better than other bodies so you know it's it's just a personal preference i think well you're still a
4: yeah, canon yeah, shooter ron right I am still a Canon shooter. I mean, I, you know, I got into digital, and at the time, the decision was based on w- who had the best sensor. You know, and this was whatever four years ago, right around when the when the 20D was coming out. And for me, you know, it was, you know, I thought Canon sort of had the best quality sensor. And uh, you know, this the, the the new stuff is is definitely compelling because that's really the sweet spot that they they attacked was was coming up with a great sensor that can shoot low light performance. So it's. You know, it's an interesting, <laughs> interesting the dilemma to
0: have. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the the last thing that I'm just waiting, the, the only thing that keeps me looking at Canon is uh, and sticking with my Canon for right now. though I'm really close to buying a D700. As soon as I test one, I'll 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 know. Uh, yeah. But the uh, the for me, a problem is the SDK. So Nikon won't let anyone program to the camera, uh, which is a big deal because you know if you if you want to do technical photography, you know, doing things like HDRs that are mm-hmm. that are very uh, um, automated and so on and so forth. And being able to do weird things with your camera uh, from your computer, um, you know, we can't do that um, on a uh, on a Canon. Now that said, the new uh, you know plus or minus nine exposures. You don't. You kind of don't have to to some degree for the for the Nikon. So you know, those are the kind of things that I've I've always wanted to leave myself open to, uh, and, and didn't want to build up a big uh, collection of lenses and everything else on something that I couldn't program. Uh, so that's been that's been the one downfall for me that keeps me kind of hooked into the Canon uh, side, uh, but I'm I'm uh, not going to be hooked much longer if uh, if Canon doesn't do. It. Here's what I'm going to wait for: is I won't buy one probably before Photokina. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm you just going to sit there and wait until Photokina <coughs> comes out. I'm going to make sure that Canon isn't going to respond, and then uh, and then I'm going to bump.
2: You know, Scott, you mentioned it's it's not a religion. But, you know, I, I tell you what, when you look at the post, the postings and the… And oh, it's, the,
1: it's a religion with our, a lot of our audience. I'm just it's saying a it's… a lot it's,
2: of the… No, I know. And, and, and that's the thing. The the, the fierce loyalty amongst, uh, you know, people once they choose a side. It, it's really what, kind what of you're uh, interesting to watch, invested, and it, A lot it, of
3: people
0: it, have invested it, a lot of money in these things. And it's, Stockholm, it's digital Stockholm but,
3: syndrome, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you know, is, but
3: it's 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 you know at will, you know. I'm I admit that, you know, I'm trapped with the Nikon because I have glass, you know. But it's, you know,
2: I'm in I'm
3: well, so in like not, with then. my captor, you know. You know. I, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: I was we trapped all know too, it's,
2: uh, it's the photography that, uh, yeah. that counts, but let's face it. I mean, we do love our equipment as well, and that's oh, very, very evident in but, the strong listen, feelings. We that get complaints
1: thing. about you know, the fact we talk too much about gear, and the fact is when we do talk about gear, we get the biggest response we ever get. So, I mean, you know, that's the way it is. We all know that. There's, there's ten reasons to buy a new piece of photo gear. The first nine are always lust. And switching no. <laughs> is
2: not as difficult as it used to be because of the great zooms that we have. Now, granted, when you have an investment in big glass like you do, Scott, it's a bit of a, a different deal. It cost
1: It cost me a couple of bucks to switch, I'll admit that. But I got a lot of new technology in the process. It's like when you sell your used car, you take a hit over what you paid for it. But, you know, maybe you get more airbags, maybe you get more miles per gallon. There's, there is a trade off there. And I'm lucky that I'm in the position to switch back if I need to. Um, True, and and I don't have to. I don't have to worry about any of this. These are tools that I think will help me make better pictures. Yeah. And if we, every one of us, went Nikon, I'm getting the usual. If you all go Nikon, I'll quit listening. Well, we'll miss you. What can I say? If that happens, <laughs> it happens because we still. If you listen to our advice carefully and you see uh, what we talk about, you know, we don't discuss how to make a photograph with a Nikon or a Canon camera. We discuss how to make a photograph.
2: And it can be reinvigorating creatively to have a new lens. Well, that's a new exactly piece of what
1: I just wanted to get to that point before we close this topic because I don't want to make this whole show about this. But that's exactly what's happening. I mean, I'm, I'm an old sea dog. I've been doing this longer than most of our audience has been alive. And you know, every once in a while, I'll go out and shoot, and everybody else will shoot a zillion pictures, and I'll make three or four exposures because I've probably already got that shot. And now I got all this new gear. I got, and it's really fun to be a student again, Steve. Mm-hmm. It's really Absolutely. fun to go. What the heck does this button do? Because when it comes to Canon, I mean, I can in my sleep in the dark, you know, push a button and get what I need. With this thing, I have—I'm going to have to call you later because I have no idea what half of these buttons do. I'll We're be gonna- your tech
2: support, Scott. I'm—I'm I'm here for you.
1: Yeah.
4: Okay. I do Re- want to make one more point on it, which is. <laughs> Uh, the it's, it's good to keep in mind. I mean, the, the reason I'm lusting after these new cameras, the 700 and, and the D3, is because of that new sensor. But that sensor hasn't actually migrated down to some of their lower end stuff yet. So that extreme light sensitivity mm-hmm. is you know is only at the at the uh, 700 level and up. And I'm not convinced that the more consumer level prices that uh, you know that, that clear win for an icon is there. And so I think yeah. you know that, that's that's what I'm curious to see is you know right now you're you're talking at minimum you know what's what's the body cost we didn't even mention what the body cost on the 700 is it's 3000 so you know you're you're talking a price point that's that's up there quite a bit you've got to be a pretty serious uh, hobbyist or professional level, before, you know, to, to go that price point. Yeah, yeah. So I think what's well, really it, getting interesting. Is where's the sensor technology going to go competitively at that level of you know a thousand dollar cameras? Instead, can
2: I throw another rumor in at you just that, uh, to make that point? Um, yeah, we have need, you guys we heard need heard to cut this
1: off, though. We really do. I'm getting yelled at by Alex. He's oh, over okay. here giving me every signal known to man uh, to move <laughs> on. But uh, yeah, go ahead. One more point, Steve. One more. I have a G- G9, don't
2: G9 don't competitor, the P6000. Apparently, uh, it's going to happen. And it's going to go ISO 6400, shoot RAW. It'll be kind of a G9 competitor. But and here's the thing: that's...
1: I am never, ever, ever, ever giving up my G9. Just let's make that clear, because I'm going to have some, I'm going to have some Canon blood. I may also buy the six thousand, but I'm always going to have the G9. That camera is so freaking spectacular,
3: Scott. You, you sound like Steve Jobs when he said people don't want to consume videos on their mobile devices. <laughs>
1: Well, I may be more than Alex you for
4: <laughs> a weekend. Uh, yeah, on the plane. For yeah, it. that's
1: right. I can loan it to Alex. It'll disappear. Then I have to buy a new one. Let's move on. The D3 and the D300 do get firmware updates. That's uh, important if you're one of those guys who uses or gals who uses those cameras. There's some new plugins for Aperture. Um, really, uh, I have to say the photo news has been all Nikon this week. I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully, Canon will do something soon that we can talk about. I'm an, I'm rooting for Canon to do something soon. Because I still have tons of friends that shoot it. Let's move on to the side of the week. The side of the week is worth one thousand. Have you seen this? I have seen this. <laughs> Did you like it? I think it's a lot
0: of fun. So here's what worth one thousand is. You have a. It's a photo. It's it's not really a photo contest as much as it's a Photoshop contest. So what you end up with is uh, they'll say you know hide an elephant or they'll say. Um, <laughs> The picture of today is, is, uh, is uh, I think it's a mixture of a great white shark and a cat in the water. <laughs> and, uh,
3: <laughs> That's, you, if, if, if people haven't seen this shot, they have to go look at this. This is insane. Yeah.
0: So so it's, it's, it's a really great example of exceptional Photoshop work oftentimes. Not all of it's perfect, but it's probably some of the best, like, Photoshopping, um, uh, you know, cont- they do contests. They have galleries. They have forums. They have Photoshop tutorials. And uh, if, if you haven't seen this, I mean, if you just need to blow off some steam, just going up to Worth One Thousand is Worth just kind of gr- grazing until you don't, don't, don't until you run
1: out of time because it's just there are so many it's, it's funny. A, photos. It's a very very fun site, and it's yeah. probably the funnest site I think we've ever picked. Yeah, yeah, of it's just, all the stuff, yeah, and and, it's and, and, awesome. it's, and it scares me though because when I see what can be done, it makes me go. Now is that picture of Steve Simon actually Steve? <laughs> 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 well, and I think that's a healthy thing. I think it's it's, it's good for
0: us to realize that yeah, we shouldn't believe anything.
2: It really is the opposite of the Photoshop disaster site we talked about last week. Yeah, right, right.
1: Well, we do have um, some news on our Flickr Challenge. It's that time again. Every two weeks we announce the winner of our most uh, recent Flickr Challenge. And the winner this week is As High as an Elephant Eye by Wolfman K., This image is really cool. There's a great use of depth of field and texture. And, of course, elephants are about as strong a creature as you'll find on the planet. So that was certainly uh, within the scope of the theme. I really like this shot. Um, uh, Kudos. Um, I don't know what you're going to win and get a, a book or two or three um, but uh, we'll send it to you if you get in touch with me, Wolfman K. And to really appreciate the shot, you have to look at it. I think in the large, size yeah, look at on it Flickr in the large to see the size detail on the flicker because it's tremendous. And then to prove that we're not all just about technical ditties here. The runner-up was Extra Strength Coffee. Now, you hear me say this every time we have a challenge. That's Extra Strength? I I thought that was what you're supposed to do. Normal for you, Alex. Um, (laughs) You you hear me say all the time that the theme is such and such, and I'm not going to give you any guidelines. Here's somebody who very creatively interpreted that theme, and we're going to be looking for more of this in the future. We want to see some stuff that's creative, and this is really great, really cool. So uh, the next one, yeah, well, it's kind of predictable, and I don't care. Fireworks. But remember, you can be as creative as you want with that. That doesn't mean you can only shoot what's happening on the 4th of July in the United States. I made an analogy on the blog to somebody, or South Carolina. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Thank you. Uh, I I made an analogy to somebody on the blog about this. I said, hey, you know, here's another interpretation of fireworks. I had several ex-girlfriends who used to uh, show me fireworks whenever I forgot to take the trash out. So, I mean, you know, (laughs) fireworks can be whatever you want it to be. So that's the uh, theme for the next two weeks. And remember, the point of this is not to win the contest. The point of this is to have an assignment to go out and start shooting, get your camera out with a purpose. We all are who who make a living at this or have made a living at this know that your photos improve when you go out on task versus just wandering around saying, here's something cool to look at. So go out on task, find something to illustrate fireworks. And I do have some cool news. I believe in the next week or two, we're going to announce something we've not tried yet, which is going to be a long-term challenge, like three or six months with a special theme a and some big prizes, some big prizes. So uh, we're going to announce that in the next week or two so that there will always be a long-term challenge going and then the short-term challenges, which will always give you something to shoot. Um, oh, we should probably mention the Flickr group, huh? We have more than 5,500 members. or right at that. Uh, if you don't know how to sign up for Flickr, we have some movies you can search for on the blog, and there's help on every single page on Flickr. Also more than 2,600 members in the Critique Forum and uh, that's the best way to make sure that your photos seen by the group if you post it up there. Uh, we did a poll. Now, this disturbs me, guys. I, I don't know if it's going to disturb you, but we asked how, how many of you use a tripod. Mm-hmm. And 76.5% or so, less than 25% of the time or never. That's me. I'm sure. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, you? I mean,
2: I, I think I would fall in that category for yeah. sure. But, you know, when I need it, I I need it and I'll use it. But uh, I don't know. It, it disturbs you, Scott, just because, I mean, for the kind of stuff that often you're doing with the big lenses, I guess that might be Well, me.
1: I mean, I always, I always use a tripod, almost always. But, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, the, the thing is, is that I think that people m- miss some of the benefit of a tripod. It's not just to st- stabilize images. Although, looking at some of the stuff in our critique forums, I see some uh, sharpness problems. That are the result of camera shake, which means a tripod would have definitely helped. So, if you really want tack sharp sharp images, you need to be thinking about a tripod for that. But more importantly, it slows you down, Steve. It causes no, you, I, to, I, cause you to sit there and stop and think. Yeah,
2: yeah, I guess that's true, Scott. But it depends, really, again, on the kind of photography that you're exactly, doing. Yeah. Exactly. If you're a photojournalist, yeah, if you're a
1: photojournalist yeah. like you, I can see where it's a problem. But. If, if but you're, you're
2: right. If if there are a lot of uh, if 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 for instance uh, a greater majority of the um, uh, of our listeners that responded to this uh, poll are doing the kind of photography that could benefit by using a tripod, then maybe um, you know after this discussion they should rethink uh, taking it with them.
1: What do you think, Fred?
3: I don't know. I was going to ask you guys. So with when you're shooting, say in a studio like you do all the mm-hmm. time, again.
1: Uh, Say you're shooting a model in the studio. Uh Do
3: you put your camera on a a tripod? Or do you hold it and sort of be fluid with the situation? I,
1: I mean, if it's serious work, I always use a tripod. Now, for a demonstration, for a video, for Twip or something, I might not. But, you know, serious work, I always use a tripod because I really want to be spending much less time with that camera between Mm -hmm. me and the model. So I'll put the camera on the tripod. I'll get it where it needs to be. I'll walk around and interact with the model and use a remote trigger so that she's Mm. or he is interacting with me as a human being, not some guy hidden behind the camera lens. That's That's one reason I do it. Secondly, once again, for camera stability and sharpness, especially as you get older, and that's probably part of the problem. Our audience is a lot younger than me. As you get old, it's just really hard to hold 13 pounds of gear perfectly yeah. steady. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do use one. And I use one on one, wheels, too. I yeah. have a tripod on wheels, on a wow. dolly, so I can move it and then lock it in position. So little,
3: little tennis balls on two of the legs? <laughs> no, no,
1: actually a dolly. <laughs> you
3: know, when I do the same thing. So when I con- like, if I'm shooting fashion, I'll conceptualize a shot. I'll even sketch it out first of exactly how I want it to be and kind of where the lights need to be. And then I'll get that, and it's locked down on a tripod. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I'll sort of go off and do variants on that, and it, may, it might come off of the tripod at that yeah. point.
1: Yeah. I just, I just, it's just, you know, I, I like, I like for people to experiment with at least trying a tripod. Like I say, some of the shots in our critique form definitely would benefit from them. And then, from a standpoint of, you know, just I, I see this trend developing that seems, you know, younger people they just grab a camera, they hold it up over the head, they just blindly fire away, click, click, click. Hey, I got something at the party. Whereas you know a few seconds of reflection and looking around the edges of your 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 viewfinder to see if there's a you know an well, intruder I, or if there's something that's going to make the composition bad that can't hurt
0: i think that that's a big difference that that i've slowly grown into is finding when i'm really trying to get a shot my eye is scanning all over the inside of my photo making sure that everything in my photo was working not mm-hmm. just something someone i was planning to shoot does this work over here is there a big big bright light or am i cutting this person off or cutting that piece off and but yeah. that's something that that i think it takes a little time and you're right you can't be sitting there just kind of firing photos or just taking snapshots. I think that there's a, uh, I, you know, we all start taking snapshots, but to improve that process, uh, I, I definitely agree in slowing down. I don't yeah. use a tripod that often, but I do try to spend a lot of time trying to get just get the right photo. Thinking about the composition,
3: yeah, and,
4: mm-hmm. no, I don't, yeah, and and also I don't, you know, there's a lot of times where I will definitely be bracing the camera against something or mm-hmm. you know doing something yeah. to stabilize it, which right. you know, it, it sort of eliminates the need for a tripod sometimes. But well, I think we cross – you cross-reference this poll with uh, the one we took a, back, a while back of you know what kind of stuff exactly, to shoot. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are shooting landscape stuff, and they should be you know you yeah. got to be carrying a tripod with you. That's what I was going to say. If you're if you're, if, you're, if
1: you're if you're shooting landscape or nature and you don't have a tripod, you, you're in, you're in the wrong genre. Yeah, you're doing and if, you're, big. if you're if you're Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was I was just
2: going to say if you're if you're shooting without a tripod yet you're shooting in a way where you know you you could have it anchored on a tripod then maybe um, you should use a tripod. when I'm shooting and what I encourage other people and students to do is to to move around. So shoot and then move and shoot and just really work your subject and and move around with your eye to the camera and just see where it takes you because uh, often it takes you to a a place you really couldn't predict at the beginning of the shoot. But if you're just kind of standing like a tripod and shooting, you might as well put it on a tripod. There's no
1: excuse to put the tripod in one place and never move it. Every single tripod I know of has legs that collapse and get higher and lower and all that kind of stuff. So... I'm not advocating you sticking it at one place and leaving it there but I do think you should consider it. Anyway, you got something else Alex? No, that's it. Let's uh, what's what's the next poll? Well, we, the next poll is when you go out shooting, do you do it alone, do you do it with a friend, do you do it with a group? It'd be very interesting to know what what everybody does. Um, we're already getting some feedback. Uh, early in early indicators as people tend to like go out and work alone, which, you know, depending on the kind of photography you do, that sometimes is a really good idea because if you go out with friends to shoot wildlife for instance, you end up talking about, hey, where did you get that Wimberly head? And then, uh, you know, a duck flies by and you're missing it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what everybody thinks. Uh, let's move on to listener questions, because that's what we got today for the rest of the show. We didn't bring in any special guests. We're just going to try to get some questions. We are recording on the 4th of July. That's how dedicated we yeah. are. That's Talk right. about dedication. Dedication here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we should also mention this. This show will go up today. However, No, I, no, it's going to go up Monday. It's going to go up Monday. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I was going to... I didn't know if this was yeah, the one. Anyway. We, starting this month, we're going to record on whatever day we record on, but the shows will land on Monday from now on. So you 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 just need to adjust your thinking that way. We'll put a notice of that on the blog. Um, we We think it'll give us more time to get the show notes done in conjunction with the posting of the show. And uh, frankly, just make it a little easier on us to, to have some time to work. Our
0: <laughs> little fingers are red; they're, they're yeah. red, it's, it's like, a good way to start your bad. week.
1: Yeah, and, and it's a good way to start your week. And and uh, you know, and poor Alex is over here. he's, he's got he's got nothing but stubs left. he we we
3: nothing but stubs left from telling people to put the podcast up. Here. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> is that podcast up? Hey, did you get I'm that? I'm so thing tired done? of he's, he's these got do stuff. He's got laryngitis. He's got
1: laryngitis. Anyway. Um, I'm tired
3: so,
0: of
1: being the boss so you're hearing the show on, <laughs>
0: the, 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 You're the hearing the whip, show on the Monday. whip is chafing my hand
1: you're hearing the show on Monday but we're in here when there's nobody in downtown San Francisco but us working and of course downtown Edmonton which is usually a hubbub of activity no, yes I, I
2: just wanted to quickly mention um, I'm at McBain Cameras which is a camera store here that's opened up their conference room for me to oh, be able to nice. do
1: this well you're so. a local celebrity what else would they do?
2: a shout out for them
1: okay for sure. congratulations Thank to you. them all right, let's get some questions out of the way. Will gray cards help in lieu of shooting RAW? Um, okay. Um, so, so here's the, here's the thing. If, I'm not sure if, what that question is. If you about.
0: have a camera that shoots RAW, that's how you're supposed to use it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Come here. on, son. If I have a camera that shoots RAW, do I really need light?
3: is that because no, I heard you can pull so, out detail well wait so i understand
0: i understand the I understand the issue is is that uh you know you can save drive space, you can save memory space if you're shooting a lot of stuff I mean, I have shot jPEG occasionally on my on my uh twenty d or whatever but it, it, i think that you know you that you get so much from shooting raw that it's just really uh, buy more drives, buy more buy a drobo buy buy some more memory cards i mean if, if i can't imagine any reason to to shoot. Less than raw if your camera is yeah. is shooting raw. Now, if your camera isn't shooting raw, then really paying a lot of attention to your uh, color balance is very important. So, if you do have a camera that maybe that's the question that's related to, to this, is that if your camera is not able to shoot raw, if you're just shooting JPEG, um, then you should really be. And and the other thing though is you know you can get cameras now for two hundred fifty bucks that shoot raw. So yeah. mm-hmm. don't buy one that doesn't shoot raw. If if you already have one. Uh, using you know, use, getting some good white balance is important, especially in a complicated lighting situation. Because right. a lot of times you're close enough to do color correction if you're doing if you set it for indoor or set it for outdoor. I don't ever leave any camera on auto very often for white balance. Yeah, at least little cameras because they go all over the place. And then on the other side of that is you know, shooting raw is not an excuse
3: for for doing everything in post. You know, my right. I I think when you're, even if you're shooting raw, you should. Attempt to get the exposure correct and t- attempt to get the white balance correct on the on the uh, on the image when you take it and then sort of tweak it later and have that flexibility, like Alex says, to sort of go in and tweak plus or minus, you know, your F
1: stops. Well, it's it's simple. If 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 you aren't going to shoot raw, you do need to get the exposure pretty close. And that's what a gray card will help you do. Mm-hmm. And as far as white balance, that's another thing you'll need to get close. Uh, there's a great product by Last Light, which I'm going to be reviewing later on the blog which is this very small, tiny, you know, reflector-style device we used when we were shooting Lisa.
5: Oh, right, yeah. It has a
1: gray target on one side, and it's pure white on the other. You put that in your first shot to get your exposure and your white balance, and you're good to go. So uh, let's move on to the next one. What tips can you give me on avoiding lens flare? I need to... I've been recently shooting sunrises with a polarizing filter, and they occasionally slip... And I want to minimize, if not eliminate, the lens flares that come in. Well, there's some basic tips for lens flare. First of all, never, ever shoot without your lens hood on if you can avoid it. That's my first tip. Now, people say, well, I don't need a lens hood. It's not bright sunny. Well, first of all, there's two kinds of lens flare. There's the kind of lens flare you see, which is the big rings that, you know, come in that mirror the size and shape of the blades of your uh, aperture but there's that deadly flare that you don't see most of the time it's like deadly plaque in your arteries it's 90% of the time is what's really hurting you is this flare you don't see and what that causes is a reduction in contrast colors are washed out exposures not quite accurate and that's all caused by lens flare that you don't see so having a lens hood is number 1 number 2 anytime you put a filter on you do increase the possibility of lens flare that's just that's just the fact mm-hmm. So what you can do is simply find out which angle the sun's coming from and use something as simple as your hat, your hand, anything to hold out of the shot but above the lens at a point where the sun might angle in, and that's another really great way to combat it.
2: Yeah, lens flare really is just internal reflections between the elements, uh, usually from light that comes sort of not directly in front of the lens. And the last thing that, that could be useful is, you know, the better the lens, the yeah. less flare, the more multi-coded. So, I mean, you, get, you do get what you pay for to a large extent.
1: Yeah, if you're and, using a $2,000 lens, you're going to have a lot less lens flare than on a $200 lens.
4: Another thing I do, I do a lot is, uh, you know, if you've got, I mean, if, if, the, you know, if the sun, for instance, is... In the shot, there's not much you can do, you know, if the sun is directly shining into the camera. But usually the lens flares that uh, are the annoying ones is, you know, you you frame the shot so that the sun is not showing up in the frame, but it's still hitting your lens. And what I do a lot of, especially if I'm shooting with somebody else, is either tell them, just hold up your hand so that it casts a shadow on the front of my camera, or I hold up my own you know, hand, and um, you know, it's out of the frame, but it blocks the sun, so that hard light that's coming in and hitting the front of the lens at this oblique angle doesn't bounce around inside of there. And the main thing you want to do is you know make sure that there's not a, a glancing ray hitting the front of your, front of your lens. Okay, we got a
1: question from Chuck who says, Hi, Scott, relatively new to photography. Um, Gives us lots of kudos, thank you. Just bought an S5IS and I find that I would like to get a better neck strap. So, uh, what kind of straps do we all like? I think this is a, a simple round-the-horn kind of thing. We don't need to go into great detail, but what, what kind of neck strap do you use, Fred?
3: Um, well, currently I'm just using the one that came with the D3. That's
1: because okay. you just want to show off the black and gold. And, well, I like
3: to walk around, you know, with Stullers. the Nike D3 showing. Yeah. But, uh, That's a nice you know,
1: advertisement for thieves, by the way. I
3: know. Steal I know. my D3 and kill me. I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm not shooting, you know, around areas where I might get beat up and get my camera taken. But uh, what I did see last time we hung out, Scott, was you had this new strap.
1: Because I want to hear about that one. Right? Well, I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to talk about that one too much because I'm still testing oh. it. I'm still testing it. It's, <laughs> Can you at least tease it, the, it since
3: I the, let the cat the, out of the it's bag? It's the a little? black.
1: It's the black rapid strap. Um, I think that's what it's called. Okay. All right. And but it's, that, it's, that's that's the strap
3: I'm going to be getting.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. You 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 know you you basically are able to wear the camera down on your hip and then slide it up when you want to shoot. And today I'm testing the incredible Reflex E from Cotta Bags, mm. which is very much like the Optech um, Pro Look sta- straps that people um, like to use. It's got the neoprene. But this has two little card holders on each side of the strap, which are kind of cool. And I also like that it has; a, it's very easy to release the strap if you want to get the strap off and it, right. it bothers you. Uh, so this this is from Cotta Bags. I'm testing this one. I'm also testing that black wrap. And what about you, uh, Alex?
0: I always, always, always use the strap that uh, that comes with the camera. Yeah, it's because you're cheap. I knew that was going to be good. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, it's a strap. <laughs> I yeah. just put it on. <laughs> it, Who cares? Cares. it holds my camera
3: to my body. I like straps that have little thing- pockets on them for your yeah. compact flashcards. Like you like, yeah, like the one yeah. Scott had. I yeah.
1: always think about that stuff, but I just never get around again. Yeah, there's a, and by the way, those of you that can't see Alex, there is about a seven-inch groove in his neck from the, uh, <laughs> the the piece of burlap wire that came with his first camera. He still uses it. It was barbed uh, wire.
4: It was barbed wire, dude. When Ron, you slide that thing up, it leaves a long line all the way down. Ron,
1: what kind of strap do you use?
4: I, I have the Optec, and I think it's you know it's great. Something, I mean, just get something that is not going to be. If you're out in the field for four or five hours, and you're starting to curse, you know, the pain of carrying your camera around. It's the last thing you don't want to be worrying about. So, the Optec's really nice because it's got the neoprene padded stuff, a little shock absorber kind of feel to it, so it can bounce a little bit, and it's not going to. Hurt you, And, and, and I, I would recommend getting something where you can kind of unclip it, um, you know, without having to take it off and over your head. Because sometimes it's, you know, especially if you've got a backpack on as well, it's really useful to be able to just unclip and do it. And, and even the optic I've got, you can un- unclip the main strap and clip the two little pieces together. And you've got a little tiny mini strap that you can kind of wrap around your hand. Um, it's not padded at that point, but it's sometimes nice to just be able to have a little tiny strap that you can just wrap around your hand.
1: And um, by the way, our producer Aaron Mailer puts in a vote for that strap as well, and that leaves you, Steve Simon.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I'd have to say, just like uh, Alex, I'm a little lazy. I use the one that comes with the camera, but I will... Oh, no, I'm not calling you lazy. I'm not calling you lazy, but I'm just saying that I use the one that comes with the camera. And I have to say, too, that... It's it's the most traumatic moment when I get a new camera body is putting the strap. on. Is it hard?
3: Is
1: it always <laughs> hard? Make a video that shows how to do After that. All it's these years, <laughs> you know, I still you know, can't figure it out. I, I mean, I literally—I'll tell you this. There's a hand strap grip that I used to use back in the film days for the Canon bodies. It's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah. And like a little around, just around it, your palm. Yeah, it just goes around it. your palm. Yeah, and I would carry it like that. And I swear it was so hard to put on the Canon sales rep, the big one that would come into town and do a special event, could not put it on. So, I mean, some of that stuff is just too, it's too secretly special. Has
2: anyone had strap failure? That is a yes. really
1: good question.
3: Fred, you have? I have, and because of the very reason that you just mentioned, because I put my strap on the camera uh, wrong. Yeah. And he was in a <laughs>
0: helicopter, and now it, he was... Oh, no, 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 that was different. So, <laughs> so when you're on the a strap, workshop with The helicopter Fred.
3: incident was because the the strap
1: failed because I failed to put it around my neck. <laughs> oh.
3: And then it subsequently fell out of the aircraft. Yeah, we, will, we will not be
1: having any special videos from Fred on how to deal with straps, just in case you're wondering. I wasn't signed off on strap usage, but Fred point. will not be teaching you how to put your strap on. Let's make this. You mean a, I was supposed to put that on my body? Okay, let's uh, let's. This is a question that I do not know the answer to, since I am literally a a 24 hour Nikon convert. But there are uh, there are others who might know the answer. This is about Nikon lenses. It's from Jerry Hawkins. Starts off with a greetings. Well, greetings back to you Jerry. Why do lenses like the Nikon 70 to 200 f2.8 not have a hard stop at infinity? I've read nope. that it is due to the ED glass being less stable with temperature. How much variability is there with ED glass? Do you understand or know the answer to that question Steve?
2: Yeah, well I, I think and I maybe you guys can correct me or, or reinforce what I say, but my understanding was it was a temperature thing, and that is, you know, as the temperature temperature fluctuates, the point of infinity will fluctuate on on that lens and some Nikon lenses. So it allows you to maintain your infinity if you're working in Edmonton in the in in in, in cold weather when it's minus thirty, or if you're in California, you know, when it's ninety degrees.
1: Uh, do you have any opinion, Ron?
4: And that's the only reason I've ever heard for it as well, but I have not looked into it. So maybe we'll do a little googling around and see if we can find something. So uh, that we're we're if that's
1: not the answer, we're stumped. But here's the great thing: with 150,000 people listening to this show, if we make any mistake, no matter how small it is, we will be corrected and uh, vociferously, loudly, and quickly. So
3: 150,000. I'm I'm shy to talk. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> It's not quite that big. And that fish was six feet listening. long.
0: I Stop. thought it was a bluegill, but it was six feet. Are you photoshopping our numbers?
1: No, that's over the course of the month. That's what Alex gave me. Over the course of the month, yes. Those are the numbers I received from the man who produces the show. Really? So if I'm wrong, he you no know, Over the course of the month? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And,
3: and I know how he's photoshopped, like, too. That's like the Daily Show, then, kind of. Right?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> and bon- don't smart. forget, we're big in yellow knife. Oh, <laughs> um, huge, huge. It's um, Okay, this is going to be a fun one. How are we for time, Alex? Uh, we're, going, we're going well. Okay. Uh, see, I did that on purpose because everyone thinks it's my fault that we have to end on time. So I, I wanted everybody I to see, understand. I see the your ball fault right me. I understand. I see how it is. Uh, this is a fun question. Actually, it might be a lot of fun or it might be terror. Who knows? Can you suggest a top ten list of photographic terms to learn? And that comes from Zach Glasscock. We should, okay. we should go round the robin and just people yeah. throw out
0: ones. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll start because that, that means my job's the easiest. Okay. Um, uh, aperture. You have to understand what aperture is. And a three I'm not going to tell you what explanation it is. Might be aperture is, is is how opened your uh, your lenses. So it's it's there's actually I don't have to explain this. You just go to our number <laughs> our old our old like our it's like video. episode number four. Right. It describes aperture it. And, and you can see it, but basically it is controlling how much light is coming into the camera through the it's, lens. It's a little, uh, it's a little uh, air, um, opening and you can close it down, which is the higher number, or open it up, which is the lower number. Uh, it is a, it's actually one over whatever that number is, is the relationship to the, what would be totally open if, the, if it wasn't there mm-hmm. um, uh, versus where you're set at. So twenty, like a 22 F-stop is one over 20. So it's one twenty second 22nd, the size of the total. So you theoretically can't go op- more open than one because that means it would right. be wide open. Although, there was a mythical Canon lens that .95, I think. Yeah, I thought oh, it was point oh eight. So that, that's like oh. turning time inside out. But but anyway, so the so anyway, so you have so aperture as you open it up. The what we call the circle of uh, of confusion uh, increases, and so you end up with uh, a highly appropriate term for this show. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. So uh, as you open it up, as you open it up, basically you end up with a shorter depth of field, which people really like. The reason it's important for you to know about it is you want to control that depth of field. So you want to um, what is depth of field? Depth of field. Well, that's that's That's
1: your turn, Fred. And and, and with depth of field, (laughs) here we have Fred Johnson. (laughs) This is like an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? You Uh, say a certain phrase, and it kicks off to the next. So what's depth of field, Fred?
3: Depth of field, as it relates to f stop, what Alex was just talking about, uh, is basically the the area of focus within you know once at a given f stop. So if you're at say f five six, and depending on the distance away from the lens that your subject is, a certain area uh, from say ten feet to fifteen feet will be in focus. As you move beyond that, you know in uh, or in the z axis away from the camera the things will become less in focus. And photographers use that a lot to say, you know, say you're shooting models and you want the background to go out of focus. So you will use a wide f-stop, you know, or, or a wider f-stop to sort of throw that background into the circles of confusion or out of focus. Or if you're like Scott and you're shooting wildlife, for example, you're always going to have a shallow depth of field because longer lenses at longer focal lengths typically have shallow depth of field the farther away you're going so scott if you look at some of his his shots as you as he focuses on that eye of the bird you the eye of the bird will, might be in focus but the beak will be out of focus so yeah. you know so as you get those longer lenses you oh, get wait, the shallow and that brings us
1: to focal length what is focal length scott scott what is focal length uh, uh focal length is is something that Steve Simon is going to explain to us.
2: Oh, really? Oh, thank you very much. Well, the focal length Cause is. I already got uh, mine
1: in my mind. I can't move <laughs> off of it. Yeah. I wasn't really. I was, I was hoping
2: for depth of field, but that's okay. <laughs> I think focal length is the 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 actual uh, physical length, usually measured in millimeters, of the lens. The longer the focal length, the more magnification you will get um, of what of your scene. So, a uh, long lens that Scott's often using for his uh, avian photography, two hundred to four hundred millimeters, will magnify the image and allow you to bring things closer without physically being closer. And then, uh, you know, the, the shorter the focal length, the wide angle lenses, the 20s, 24, um, will allow you more of an angle of view. So I guess angle of view is, is another uh, um, uh, uh, kind of um, variable when it comes to focal length. The longer the lens, the, the, the smaller the angle of view, the, the wider the lens, the shorter the focal length and the, the wider angle of view. I, now I'm in the circle of confusion.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, I have a question for you. So can you explain how focal length relates to crop factors with you know, full-frame sensors versus non-full-frame sensors?
2: Well, I mean, I think there's, there's these sort of... Um, um, there's the, the, the effective focal length and the focal length itself. Right. When you've got, when you've got um, a, a DX, when you've got like a camera like the D3 that allows you to shoot um, uh, both at a, an FX, which is full sensor, or a DX, which is a smaller angle of view, it gives you the effect of having uh, a longer focal length without some of the uh, variables that come with it, which is more shallow depth of field. Mm-hmm. So basically, it just covers a smaller uh, area of the sensor. Got it.
1: But, and, uh, and we're going to get about a thousand emails because you asked that it, question where everyone's going to correct us and say, it's not truly it's the difference in focal exactly people love <laughs> to go nuts on this. Also and the I just, just yeah. want to say, I don't care. Okay? <laughs> I just don't care. It's it, effective focal length. You get a similar experience. I said similar, not exact, uh, to having a longer lens. Um, um, now part of the same conversation, we probably should discuss vignetting. Because um, (laughs) (laughs) we're looking at an icon (laughs) lens with some vignetting problems. Um, Vignetting is is something that you see in old-time photographs that was done uh, kind of like as an art form. It was designed and still used by some people, by the way, quite effectively to help focus the viewer's eye towards the subject of the picture. And it just means the corners of the photograph are darker than the center. So when you have an image where you've got vignetting, it's because something has happened that's made all the corners uniformly darker. And usually this has to do with a lens that doesn't properly cover the circle of confusion. (laughs) uh, And and you'll see this. uh, Sometimes it happens when you're using a wide-angle lens and you put a filter on that's too big. It'll start to immediately cut into the angle of view of the lens, and you'll see these shadows. Sometimes it's an improperly placed more positioned uh, lens hood, um, so it could uh,
2: actually be a nice effect in, uh, to and, use as well. And, and, and aperture, the software even put it into its its software program. You can vignette your images. Yeah, on Yeah, I was purpose. just about to
1: say you can do it. And if you have no vignetting, you can add it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you have the seventy to two hundred f two eight VR lens from Nikon on a full frame sensor, they are nice enough to give it to you for free. <laughs> 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 wow, yeah. that's true. I have that that lens on
3: my
0: body, my camera, my D three right now, and
4: it'd be you know, like nothing it's I've ever seen in my that, life. And then you'll, and you'll see
1: that once again when you're opening wide, wide open, because yeah. remember we're opening that as you, aperture. When as you stop down, it goes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. so you have like a two thousand dollar F 56 six VR seventy to two hundred. There, it's only sixteen hundred. Whatever.
2: Now there are you're going to see an upgrade of, to that, I'm sure, because, because you know, that lens came out. That lens is a beautiful lens, but it wasn't really. Necessarily, made it was designed or? for
1: really a
3: DX. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can st- put your camera on DX mode, and it's just fine. But Sky, you have a what? What are you going to use instead of the seventy two hundred? I'm going to use
1: the eighty to two hundred f 28 silent wave motor lens. The lens that came right before that, because all the working pros I've talked to that are Nikon users seem to think that's a better choice for a full frame sensor. And mm-hmm. there are rumors they're going to upgrade that lens. And when they do, I'll switch back to it.
0: I think. Yeah. I think. I'm gonna, I think we need to do a test to see if we can correct for that vignetting photographically.
1: Well, uh, Yeah, you can in Lightroom. I mean, yeah, you can in Aperture as right. well. Mm-hmm. And you can, in fact, in the, in the Nikon Capture NX2 software. But is it mm-hmm. is it is it custom to the. To the I'm, 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 no.
3: I'm
0: thinking like a custom solution for that specific lens. That, mm. Nikon offers Across
3: that. all the focal lengths? Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm. I think yeah, we there's, have some, there's some company for the pixel that does cord.
0: a plug
3: in.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a plug in and also Capture uh, NX, which is the Nikon software I've never used. Um, does that, too, according to their documentation. Uh, yeah. How about you, Ron? Would you like to take a term?
4: Uh, sure. I'll go ahead and toss out uh, dynamic range since uh, that's one that I think everybody needs to really get into their head. Mm-hmm. The term meaning sort of the relationship in any given scene between what's the darkest point and the uh, brightest point. And uh, it's it's important to understand that, you know, in the real world, there's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of light out there, and a lot of times, you know, if you're shooting outdoors, your camera's not going to be able to capture all of it. And so that's the dynamic range, you know, the dark to bright. So that's really what we're doing. Anytime we're taking a picture is we are choosing what slice of the the entire range of the scene are we actually going to capture on on our sensor.
3: What about high dynamic range?
4: <laughs> well, Exactly. And so then that, that's the whole point of doing high dynamic range is to try to get more of the original light in the scene to get a better representation of all the different exposure values in the scene and then, as a post process, choose what pieces of those you're going to put into your final image. Yeah. I was at uh, Palouse
1: Falls in eastern Washington on my way to Seattle last week. Did you take an HDR? And I did an HDR Palouse Falls at 12 noon.
3: Mm-hmm. Ooh. So this yeah. Is a, yeah, this is, Where a, is a, everything it? at 12 noon? Or did you take 12 noon, three, six? No, no. What
1: I did is I just did an HDR at 12 noon, but I did like four stops overexposed and gotcha. four stops underexposed. Yep. And the picture is stupefyingly great.
0: Really?
3: Yeah. Wow. And I'm
1: like, this is this is really the use Now place. you
0: see. Now, now you, know you know what see. Scott, Scott made so much fun of me when we started doing I, I know. i just you. giving
1: you a hard time. I was
3: I was talking <laughs> to a co-worker of mine yesterday, even. Uh, Kelly Castro. He's Kelco on uh, Flickr. And he was telling me that he doesn't really believe in uh, HDR photography because every shot that he's seen sort of looks like, I think he said
1: airbrushed yeah, yeah, art yeah. on the side of a low rider <laughs> yeah well and there's some poorly done ones but I made one that I think I'll put up and everybody, let, everybody judge,
4: but, you know there's a look thats sort of developed that sort of the HDR look that's not a natural because you, you know it, if you're trying to represent an extreme high dynamic high dynamic range scene uh, on a in a photo it's you know you're not modeling the real world I mean well, you're, no. I, I I think
0: also what, what you're mostly seeing on the web when you go up to see an HDR quote unquote you're, what you're seeing is a tonal mapped HDR. So what we're really talking about is tonal mapping, which is this this compressing of that big wide range selectively so that everything what you want fits in. The issue is is that is that uh, the power of HDR isn't just that it's not just what you saw there. It's that you have this huge image and you can expose it any way you want. So you can it's not just that you can have this kind of crazy image that it, that combines everything. It's that you could shoot let's say twenty two stops of information and then you can re-expose it essentially uh um in in the dark room or in in the you know in
1: photoshop eventually mm-hmm. before we take the yeah. next question i want to say that the reason you're listening to this show is because we have the support from our very good friends at audible.com if you go to audiblepodcast.com/twip you can take advantage of a very special offer we have arranged just for you just for our twip listeners free you, stuff you get a free downloadable book and it can be any book you want. I believe they're they're nudging towards 50,000 titles now. It's a great service. We all use it. And every week, to give you some idea of what you might want to consider, we do our Audible Pick of the Week. And the guy who's in charge of that is our producer, Aaron Mailer. Aaron, you've got a pick for us.
5: Yes, I do. Uh, this will be another, what I would say would be a nice summer read. Um, it's called the Janssen Directive. Um, it's uh, credited to Roder- Robert Ludlum. Uh, who is the author of, uh, of the Born series? If, for those now, of you that have watched here. the Born books, I'm not getting any royalties for this, so let's be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the author of the uh, the Born book series, which, of course, has led to the movies uh, that have been so popular. Um, one thing I just discovered, uh, actually, while I was doing a little studying, listening to the show here, um, is that this may actually be ghostwritten. Um, it was released after he died, so it's either a posthumous release or it's ghostwritten uh, in the vein of his style. But regardless of that, uh, of whether he wrote it or not, um, it is certainly an excellent book. I had a lot of fun with it back a couple of months ago. Uh, it's narrated by Paul Michael. It's uh, just over 20 hours long. And uh, it's it's based um, on the concept of a Nobel laureate uh, uh, philanthropist uh, named Peter Novak who is, uh, who is uh, kidnapped by uh, what they describe as a near-mythical terrorist called the Caliph. Uh, and uh, the group trying to get him back calls in uh, the main character, Paul Jansen, uh, to, to try and rescue him. So it uh, makes for a fun story, uh, lots of suspense and in- intrigue, and uh, certainly a good thing, like I said, for, for summer listening. So
1: hope well, you all enjoy it. Thank you, Aaron. You can use your free pick if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip for that book or any other book. We thank them very much for their support, and they help us do what we do here at TWIP, which is provide you with all the latest, greatest photography information. I have I have a pick. Ooh, ooh, like, like ooh. this is a surprise. I think everyone should download the
0: Spartans.
1: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to put that on tape and roll that you with should the pre-roll from Audible here on out. Audible what the, what the downloads on the Spartans is after all of Alex's pushing. <laughs> no, no. You know, at the beginning of the show, we have a pre-roll that thanks Cashfly and Audible, and we're just going to build into that now. I would like to thank Audible and suggest that you go straight up there and,
0: and download the Spartans. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think we're going to have a contest. Uh, We're going to have a contest that only Alex can win, and that will be to see how many weeks he can go without mentioning the Spartans, and we'll give him a nice little shiny prize. Or
3: using a Star Star Wars voice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Oops. Thank you so much, Fred. You're so helpful. (laughs) Let's move on to another important question. (laughs) Uh, This comes from Simon, who lives down under, where they actually eat Vegemite for some reason. Would uh, like advice on his camera, body, and lens care. He lives in a salt air climate and is concerned that the beach in Sydney, you know, can work against his camera. Well, yes, it can, Simon. And my first piece of advice is do not take your camera down into the salt water. That, uh, that will go badly for you. Um, the, the, all joking aside, uh, you can do some things to protect yourself. When you're out near a beach, it's not only the salt air you need to worry about. In fact, it's probably the sand. I'll give you a perfect example. I was photographing at White Sands Missile Test Range in New Mexico. Oh, that's like really, really sm- – That is really some fine grain sand there. And uh, some friends of mine had advised me not to take any good quality camera gear there. So I actually went and bought an old Pentax K1000 with a 50-millimeter lens and threw it on there, which I spent about 200 bucks for used at a camera store. And they said, you know, it doesn't matter what you do unless you pack it in resealable double Ziploc bags – Sand will get into your bag. Well, I was there as just so happened. The CBS Sunday morning show was there doing those beautiful little segments that they do. They run at the end of each show where they do some nature scenes. And they had, you know, all their like super duper, you know, beta SP cameras and their Porta Brace bags. And I was like, guys, you know, this sand is not any sand like you're going to be used to. And the guy set his border brace bag up on a rock while he was doing the shooting. And in about three minutes time, it filled. He went to pick it up and couldn't lift it. He goes, what's up? He opened it. It filled with sand. Mm. Blowing sand penetrated every single bit of that bag. Jeez. So you need to worry about sand when you're near a beach more than anything else. So my advice is to consider something as extreme as underwater housings. And there are some inexpensive ones available or something as simple as getting yourself the largest Ziploc style bag you can, putting your camera in that, cutting a hole in it where the lens goes, using some sort of adhesive tape that you can get off without harming your camera. By the way, do all this at your own risk. I'm not warranting this advice. Um, But I've done this before and it worked. I've taped the enclosure around my, my lens hood so that nothing can get in past that. And then you're reasonably protected, and and just be very careful about changing lenses in that environment. And you be and, and put a make yeah. sure you have a filter on the front. and so on. Yeah, that yeah. Might, don't, that don't might change help.
2: lenses. Don't change. Don't change lenses. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's yeah. a big
1: takeaway there. And, yeah. and and there are times like if you're if you're a pro and you're getting paid for a job, like I did, I took that camera to White Sands and. Uh, and then I, I donated it to the trash can because by the time I was done in about 20 minutes, it was toast. Jeez. I was uh, working with a
0: videographer in, in uh, Africa and, and I asked him, you know, how because we were shooting in the desert. <laughs> and I asked him how, uh, uh, you know, how what he does, you know, how do, how do you keep the camera like this running year after year? And he goes, I don't. <laughs> he goes. I, I shoot. I use it for one season, and then I he goes and I send it to Canon, have them do whatever they do to it, and then I put it up on eBay. Which is which is why I don't buy any more cameras from eBay. Oh, <laughs> wow.
2: And one, one compromise compromise. the plastic bag and the underwater housing is are those rain protector covers that are good. They a lot help, of them are yeah. good. I think mm-hmm. Kata makes a good one, and and you know that that will help you uh, protect. Yeah. You just, it's
1: mostly common sense. And the other thing is, if you live in a beach environment and you, you know, if any of us who have spent lots of time in a beach environment, if you look at the old hotels at most of the beaches, they get kind of rank from the, you know, the salt air and stuff, you, you want to make really sure that, you know, you keep things like computers and cameras and all that somehow sealed and protected from that environment because you will have issues if you don't. Or it's
4: just as much of an issue as anything, you know. You're, you Taking a camera out during, you know, for a few hours during the day isn't nearly as big a deal as letting it sit in a damp closet or, you know, in right. a, a room that's got a lot of high humidity. Yeah, that's not good for it. About where you're storing it. Well, that's about all we have time for on this episode of This
1: Week in Photography. I do want to mention that our guest next week will be Dan Ablin. I hope I'm saying that right. Yep. Uh, he is a photographer, a trainer, and a 3D modeler. I'm mostly interested in the fact that he trains Lightwave, which is not an application we hear talked about a lot. But well, he some- also
0: does Modo, which is the one we hear more often. Yeah. The, the, the big thing, what I think is going to be really interesting about the conversation with Dan is is really his inter- the interrelationship between when you do 3D and how it affects your work as a photographer. Because I think that it... You definitely think about it in a different technical way uh, than you would otherwise.
1: All about the light. And remember, we are going to release the shows on Mondays. Don't panic if you don't find them on Fridays. We'll put something up on the blog to help you remember. Twipphoto.com, by the way, is the blog. And Alex, where would people go if they had suggestions for the show? (laughs) I I hand off to you Really like you know Trying to get you uh, Engaged And you start laughing
3: Alex is knee deep In Wikipedia (laughs) Over here Not paying
0: attention (laughs) No I was No I I was I was looking at The circle confusion In Wikipedia But the uh, The um, uh, (laughs) No that's not The first word That was going to Come out of my mouth Was not one That I should say On the show So um, I think you might Want to talk about Delicious here um, Yes if you have Suggestions of things You'd like us to Actually cover You should go to Twip Ideas So it's twip idea use that tag on delicious use the tag and if you don't know how to tag we've got little videos of how to tag no, we have, we put up videos too. I don't we, know if we did or not I can't uh, remember I think uh, we, we did do one. I think we so did. I think we have one so, so, easy. so here's no we do you, you can go up to tw- you can go up to delicious people people get confused about this you go up to delicious you can get little little tags that you put in your in your uh, in your browser here and uh and then you can just click on it anytime you see something that's 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 related to twip stuff that we should see put it up there because that's how we figure out what we're going to you know talk about in the news uh you know uh, sites for the day you know sites for the week all of that stuff is driven from that so make sure to go up make sure to uh you know tag stuff all the time so we can see what you think is important because it really does make a difference
1: yeah that helps and you can always send us an email to uh tripphoto at gmail.com. But we'd really rather have you send the stuff to Delicious. It makes a lot easier for our producer. And by the way, it makes it a lot more likely we'll see it. We do get lots of email and suggestions, way more than we can respond to. But we do use that to sort of guide the show where appropriate. Uh, so feel free to leave your comments there. Uh, just keep them clean and pithy if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, we do have, uh, right before we go, a tip of the week. And uh, the first tip actually is a two-tip week because the first tip is be sure to read you know, the blog. We have tips up there every day. And and then I'm going to give you a tip right now because I have one because it's based on studying a lot of the images I've seen in the critique forum. And you know, I did a count the other day. I just randomly looked at 1,000 images – and I counted how many of them were horizontal and how many of them were vertical. And which would you suspect had the highest proportion? Horizontal. Horizontal. Exactly. By about a 76 to 24% ratio. Mm. So my Elicits tip- it's people. Yeah. My tip is simple. Turn the camera on its side once in a while. But not your video camera. Not your video doesn't camera. It doesn't work. It <laughs> doesn't work so <laughs> well. I, you know, well. I tried that the other day, and I was like, what's wrong with this? Um, no. When you're using a still camera, let's make that clear. This is a photography, not a videography show. When you're using a still camera, uh, occasionally take that sucker and uh, make sure you take a vertical. In fact, Scott's rule is whenever you take a horizontal, now it's time to take a vertical. It doesn't cost you anything to just quickly whip you know, whip that camera around and get a vertical shot. Sometimes the vertical shot will be the one you want to think of. And those of you who have responded, by the way we' got a lot of email response about our pro show. Those of you who want to go pro, you might want to take a look at all the magazines for sale at Barnes and Noble and Borders. There's none of them there that are horizontal. Uh, you know therefore if you want to sell pictures to magazines, especially if you want to make covers, you need to think vertical. Because that's what people buy. Most of the magazines I've seen are vertical. All
2: those paparazzi guys, and I don't want to bring up the paparazzi again, but they always shoot vertical because yeah. that's how they sell it.
1: That's how you sell it. So mm-hmm. think about shooting vertical. In fact, if you're one of those who says, yes, I'm guilty, Scott, I haven't been shooting enough verticals, maybe you should just try to spend a week where you think all vertical and then do horizontal as the backup. Mm-hmm. That might be fun. Fred? Yeah, I mean, I just say think
3: differently about how you shoot you know so like scott says you know when you're shooting something if you're you think it's a horizontal shot just once you think you got the shot switch around do something vertical you know lay on the ground or get high or something or get get high i'm sorry get to a higher (laughs) get to a higher altitude
0: That's what I call going vertical, man. And, uh, and well, that
3: might lead to some interesting pictures. Yeah, though.
0: exactly. That's
3: Fred Johnson from Adobe.
1: <laughs>
3: no, honest boss. I meant stand on a ladder. Can I please come to work on Monday?
1: <laughs> well, that was that's a good tip. So we uh, so uh, hope that you enjoyed the show, and uh, we thank you very much for listening. You're done, Fred. You got nothing else. You forgot You're- to
3: ask me where people could find me. I was going to get to that. <laughs>
1: you were wrapping it up. You
3: am going to wrap it I gonna... saw
1: the lens cap in your hand. Well, Fred, we'll start with you. Where, where would you people like people find? to find you other than over at the local hashish bin?
3: People can find me. He's joking, by the way. <laughs> I never have done or do I condone that sort of behavior. Um, uh, you can just find me at frederickvan.com or on Twitter at Frederick Van Alex. F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K.
1: Yeah. Well, how's that working out for you now that you use such a bizarre name like Frederick Van instead of you mean your real name?
3: my given name? That no, is what's my what's your name? whole name? My, my whole
1: name is Frederick Van Johnson. So why didn't you
3: use that? It's too long. Okay. And Fred Johnson is too common. That's why I use Frederick. Okay. Yeah. It's your
0: call. Uh, Alex <laughs> Lindsay. Scott. where would you like for people to find you? You can find me on Twitter, Alex Lindsay. all one word. I'm in Twitter. I like Twitter. You're on the Twitter, I believe. On Twitter. You can also find me on uh, Pixelcore.tv uh, and pixicore.com And
1: Mr. Steve Simon.
2: Well, actually, this week I'll say something different. I'm going to be doing a workshop. Uh, it's a mentor series workshop with American Photo Magazine and Nikon. Cool. And we're doing a workshop with uh, Dave Black, who's a great photographer, in New Jersey, August 15th to 17th. And uh, it's www.mentorseries.com.
1: You hit all the really hot locations, don't you, Steve? <laughs> yeah,
2: New Jersey. Don't you know? It's not uh, your grandmother's New Jersey. New I'm Jersey, just joking. New Jersey's a
1: beautiful place. By the way, one of the best places in the world to go bird watching. New Jersey. Well,
4: who who knew?
1: I did. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and how about you, Ron? Where would you like folks to find you?
4: Uh, on the Twitter at Ron Brinkman. R-O-N-B-R-I-N-K-M-A-N-N.
1: Two ends, please. Two ends
4: or uh, digitalcomposting.com is the blog. I just put up some some pictures from my last little trip to Europe, so people want to go check those out.
1: That's cool. Them. And if you're interested, you can follow me on the Twitter at Scott Bourne or just go to my blog, which is ScottBourne.com, which has links to everything I'm involved in. And we really appreciate you listening to the show. One more thing from Mr. Lindsay. I forgot to say that uh, I would really like for people who are listening to twit TWIP to
0: try listening to Twim this week in media, oh. uh, we have changed. We have a guest host for the last two weeks, uh, Daisy Whitney from TV Week, and I really think she's doing a great job. And so I think that uh, people ought to go up and check it out. Uh, what would you say, Ron? Yeah, Daisy is
4: just great as a host. I had a lot of fun when I did the last one with
0: her. She's really. Uh, it's just. I think it's. It's changed the flavor of the show a little bit, but I really think people ought to check it out because I think that I think it's a. It really feels tight. So um, so anyway, so uh, definitely check it out, uh, This Week in Media. You can find it
1: on TV or iTunes. Okay. Well, we thank you very much for listening. Uh, appreciate all of you being out there in the audience. Thanks again to Audible for sponsoring the show. Thanks also to Lens Babies for sponsoring the blog. I think we've just about covered it for this week, so let's just uh, go out uh, and say what we always say. And i to put that lens cap back on. Thank you. I thought you were gonna say time to put the Nikon lens cap back on. No 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 no. I'm trying to I'm I'm getting so much hate mail, I'm really trying not to engender any more of that.
2: It's incredible. Okay. I mean it's just amazing what's going on with the the you know fallout of your,
3: your switch. I got a ton of mail too, people just saying, I can't believe you finally convinced Scott Yeah, so okay. I like yeah. yeah, yeah I
1: did, yeah. It is hilarious. Like,